For our special guest slot this week, I'm delighted to have Jason Kyo with us. I've known Jason for a long time now. Since 2012, Jason has specialised in running technique and has successfully trained hundreds of runners to overcome chronic injuries and become essentially faster athletes. He is a qualified neuromuscular therapist. He runs a very successful clinic in Belgard Heights in Tala, just off the M50. And I'm sure what is a big factor in making Jason so successful with the people that he treats is that he himself was a very successful mountain runner. He was the Irish mountain running champion in 2015 and 2017. He has represented Ireland on the hills and he also won the prestigious Karen Tuchel mountain race in 2011 and in 2017. Jason, you're very welcome to the show. Jason, we've been looking forward to having you on the show for a long time now. So it's great to have you here finally. Good stuff, on thanks. And uh, I guess first, before we get started, can I just say uh, thanks for all your hard work in putting together such great content on the podcast. I've been tuning to you for, oh gosh, since the beginning. That's over two years now, isn't it? And uh, it's always been great. You're, you're such an upbeat host and um, I enjoy all the different guests you have from the Irish scene. And, and excellent. excellent. No, I appreciate that, Jason. And listen, how have you recovered since your own busy weekend there? What about two, two weekends ago now and um, with your work at the Wicklow Way Relay? Um, we spoke about it on the podcast in our last episode. Um, it was a great day all around, I think, um, but lots of hard work behind the scenes as well. Yes, um, it's, it was quite busy. The, the relay is, as I always equate to running about eight races in one day. And you have to have all the, the there's a lot of moving parts. So um, obviously I have two great helpers with um, with Rene, uh, Rene Borg and uh, Bill Halladin. Uh, this year was was very unusual. So yeah, it's, we had about a, a week of, of making sense of uh, sort of rules and the situation we found ourselves in. And um, we came up to, uh, came up with a decision that um, that would make half half the crowd happy and half the crowd unhappy but um i think it'll be it'll be good for the for the relay in in the coming years okay okay well listen we look forward to the next year already jason and, and and speaking of racing it's one of the reasons why you know i'm looking forward to talking to you today and what we're going to go through maybe over the next half an hour jason is key tips and pointers for the listeners that hopefully help keep them injury free. Because as we know, Jason, the two of us have been there over the years from our own training and our own racing. There's nothing worse than being excited about a race or excited about a block of training and then getting the niggle, getting the injury. You get injured, you try to get back, it's not working, you're getting compensation, niggles and injuries left, right and centre. So, so important to spot the signals that something is coming and then getting the right help as well. So we've got three or four, I think, good tips, good areas to focus on over the next maybe, what, 25, 30 minutes. And the first one, Jason, that I was going to ask you about was trigger points. What are they and why are they important? So trigger points, um, I suppose when I explain them to to, uh, clients here um, in my clinic, uh, I explain them that they're... um, they're like a, a knot in your muscles. So when you when you have a fiber, we're all made up of fibers in, in our muscles. So if you could open a piece of chicken or steak, you see all those fibers um, within the within the um, within the muscle itself. So these these uh, trigger points are kind of uh, hyper irritable little nodules, and they're ver- they're very small. They can be the size of a grain of sand or maybe a very small ball bearing. 
And as these little nodules get bigger within the fibers, it pulls on either end of the fiber. So now that fiber, instead of being nice and relaxed, it's very uh, tiny, kind of like a guitar string. So you can have dozens of these within a, a muscle fiber. And now all the healthy fibers can only stretch as, as far as those unhealthy fibers, the ones with the trigger points in them. So, and, uh, so the effect of, of, of some, uh, on someone would be that the muscles themselves are overall tight. You might feel a little bit restricted in, in, in the muscle or the joint. Um, and then the other thing which makes them very unique is that they send something called referred pain. So that's basically sending pain to a different area than where the trigger point is. So usually that would manifest in the likes of uh, joints. So it could be elbows, knees, uh, you know, big toe joints, uh, ankles, that sort of thing. Um, so in my experience, probably you know, 95% plus of all the pain that you'll ever experience in your body will come from a trigger point. And okay. um, it's just, it's, it's something that uh, I'm, I'm quite passionate about because um, when, I, when, I, when I treat them here in the, in the clinic, we just get phenomenal results. And um, it's, it's, it's kept me on the road uh, during times of lots of niggles in, in my own running. Yeah. And Jason, when do we need to say, call somebody like yourself in and book an appointment? When do we need to get out the roller? Like, is it as soon as we feel a bit of tension on a calf muscle or around the ankle area? Should we just, should we stop running straight away? Or is it, I know every injury now, every little niggle can be different, but just general pointers, Jason, do we need to go straight away to yourself? Or can we say, do work at home with tennis balls, with some hand massage work on these trigger points? Is there any overall guidance that we can apply? Yeah, so I think uh, once you kind of uh, understand what trigger points are and how to find them, um, then it's, it's quite uh, it's quite easy to either um, release them yourself or to give yourself good relief. So I'd always recommend that someone have the likes of uh, a hard ball, like a hockey ball or maybe um, a stiff foam roller. And as soon as they feel like a little niggle coming in, that they, they go in and start exploring the muscle. And one of the ways you'll know you're on a trigger point is that when you start putting pressure on the muscle, you'll find particular points that really hurt and there's a good chance that that's the trigger point itself. So um, first thing you do is you go explore the muscle yourself uh, and then if you can't get any relief or maybe if it's been going on for maybe two weeks at that stage, we'd probably say, you know, that's, that's probably a chronic issue there and you need just a little bit of a helping hand to get out of it. Okay. I've often found myself, Jason, even say before runs when I have a little bit of tightness there, literally in the half an hour before I go out the door, I'll get onto a golf ball or I'll get onto the roller and I'll find these points of tension. And, you know, you can release the tension by, what is it, maybe applying five, six seconds of applied pressure. Then after maybe two or three goes of that, you just see the muscle relax out, literally just drop out, droop out. And then that releases the tension. And I find then that that's often a great way to start your training session. A little bit of the applying the pressure, the muscle relaxes, and then you're good to go. Good to go. Sorry, at the door. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you want to. The uh, person myself, um, if I'm heading out and I feel like you know what, the calf is feeling a little bit tight or the hamstrings feels a little bit tight, I'll go and get my ball and I spend about ten or fifteen minutes before I head out the door. And then I might do the same when I come back as well. So I, I, I would always prioritize doing soft tissue release work uh, okay. over, say, traditional stretching. Okay. Okay. Super. Um. Moving on, Jason, to software 
and hardware. Now, this was a whole new concept for me a couple of years ago, and I first came across it when I had a bad abductor tear, Jason, around 2015. I was just racing too much, too much racing on the roads as well, not enough recovery between races, and I got a bad tear to my abductor. And it was explained to me at the time that I needed to reset the software, that my brain had nearly forgotten how to stride properly, that I needed to just reprogram everything. And it was only when I fixed the software, if you like, because I had got so tense after 18 months, two years of constant niggles and injuries, that it was only when I reset everything through various different exercises that I got going again. And then I was fine. And it just emphasized the importance of the concept of software and hardware. So could you maybe take us through that? Okay, so um, when I'm working with someone, I would usually do something called a biomechanical assessment, um, which is sort of a a two-hour session. And um, the way I like to break that up is into two different aspects. So the first aspect we're looking at is the the person's mobility. And that's in, you know, what their muscles, tendons, joints, ligaments, the type of range of motion they have in those. Um, And we'd call those sort of hardware. So when we want to, to say upgrade your hardware or to change your hardware, that's a very difficult thing to do. It takes a minimum of six weeks before you see any sort of meaningful change. So um, how you improve things like that are mobility exercises, mobility drills, and soft tissue release, you know, finding those trigger points and releasing them. So that's, um, that's the, the hardware aspect of it. Um, you know, over the last, say, you know, 30 years of usually when someone comes to me, they're in their uh, 30s or 40s. And, you know, the body has taken it, the body has taken a a toll from, you know, maybe a little bit of sedentaryism. It could be um, just lack of movement in general. It could be uh, the sport that they've been playing. So the body's gone through wear and tear. So that's one of the first things I look at, your hardware and and see um, how, what, what range of motion you have and things that you aren't, uh, let's just say, uh, good at doing, then coming up with a plan to get you back at, at doing those uh, those things. And they're usually what we would call natural movements. So um, uh, resting positions will be one of, the, one of the things. So you've heard of things like, you know, your deep squat or sitting on your shins or sitting cross-legged on the floor. And they're all very good ways to sort of start uh, um, uh, tackling your hardware issues. Then I guess the, the other aspect would be software. So the software would be how you uh, consciously or subconsciously you, your mind thinks about um, thinks about uh, moving. So whether that's uh, your walking gait or your running gait. Um, now, when we, when we change software, things like that can happen very quickly. So I've changed people, um, their software within less than a minute, which is uh, a, few, um, a few different types of uh, coaching cues. So you know, do X, do Y, do Z. And next of all, those changes happen nearly instantaneous and we can see that they're, they're moving different. Yeah. Um, on the software, Jason, what are those X, Ys and Zs? Are they, are they leaning forward slightly? Are they dropping the shoulders? What are, say, the two, two or three simple things that we can all try and apply straight away? So um, we usually divide um, running technique into kind of three or four different areas. Uh, the first one, which a lot of people will be familiar with, is posture. So posture can also can be what you perceive to be good posture. A lot of people walk around thinking they have good posture, but then when they see themselves on camera or in a mirror, uh, they realize quite quickly, oh, actually, it's not as good as, as, I, uh, as I thought it was. 
so posture is, is one of those uh, is one of those things. Um, now, are you interested in in little little cues right now, or, or do you want to do that? Yeah, yeah, Jason. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, like little things that we can all maybe try and, and work on as we go out training over the next couple of days. Like I know a big one that we've all probably read about um, is cadence and this magic number of 180 uh, steps per minute. And, and I've often wondered about it, Jason. Now, I know it's a good number to aspire to, but would I be right in saying that it's not a magic bullet either? It's not that if we get to 180 beats per minute, we're not going to be injury free forever and ever, nor do we need to get obsessed with 180 there'll be different parts of a run where i mean where we might be at 160 it might maybe towards the end of a race and a sprint finish we might be at 190 so is that 180 that's more just of a guidance or or you know tell me if i'm wrong should we be at 180 strictly for every minute as we're running so there's a there's a bit of a spectrum there so it's been shown kind of 173 steps per minute to 183 steps per minute that's the spectrum there and sometimes that can depend on your height as well because we've got longer levers to the taller you are and um, generally when we're uh, when i'm retraining someone we'd we'd get them to aspire to that 180 uh, steps per minute and um, and then they would train like that for a while um, and you'd use the likes of a, a metronome or all the modern watches now have cadence built into them and maybe even a metronome built into it. So you can have that displaying live and you can check it afterwards. And when you kind of stick to stick to it quite strictly at the beginning, it can take about six weeks for, for that change to kind of set in. And then people tend to gravitate towards their own natural cadence. Mm. But if we if that cadence tends to drop between below that 170, you know, you, you're starting to overstride then. And then that's when we start making sort of inappropriate shapes and um, our muscles aren't in the correct position to be able to dissipate that ground reaction force that we experience when we run. And then, then you start getting the little niggles and injuries. Okay. Okay. And I think most watches these days, they will tell you what your cadence is and the average is when, when you go back and you look at your data files after your run. Um, to go back to hardware for a second, Jason, as well, I find this area really fascinating. Um, and I'm sure just all of us have tried maybe various running yoga movements, Pilates movements, um, the deep squat, as you mentioned there. And most of us, I think, struggle with them. What have you seen, Jason, from working with your clients and, um, you know, for people that are running 20 years and, you know, they, maybe for the first 10 years, they were doing lots of stretching, but they never did any of these natural movement things. And they'd be, you know, sitting in offices for the last 20 years. Are we lost causes or can we actually break that rigidness that's there, <laughs> that unflexibility? And can we can we make improvements? Well, there's hope. There is hope. Um <laughs> You'll be glad to hear. And um, it's it's one of those things when you're working on mobility, it's one of these things, and it's the same with soft tissue release work. Whatever you put into it is what you get out of it. And in my experience, the, the people that have done the best with it are the guys that have spent a lot of time trying to practice it. And it's um it, it's it's one of those things that said whatever amount of time you put into it, you'll you'll reap the rewards, you know, tenfold uh, when it comes out. Okay. Okay, so it's just a matter of sticking with it. And I know even what I try and do myself, Jason, is again, before and after runs, if I have time, you know, I, I'll try and, you know, I'll stick on the Pilates running video and I'll try and go through the exercises. Some of them I can do, some of them I can't. 
But I think it is just so important just to keep on top of it and just to try and keep breaking down that rigidness. And maybe you'll never get full flexibility there, but I think isn't it better just to be trying to do it and to try yeah. to keep the body flexible rather yeah. than looking for perfection? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And but look, another thing is, you know, a, a lot of people beat themselves up about uh, saying, oh, I have to do more stretching. I should be doing more stretching. And it's nearly when they come into me here, it's like a confession. I don't do stretching, you know, and it, it just gives me a little giggle because I'm kind of to me, I'm saying to myself, I'm like, who has time for stretching? I certainly don't have time to be doing 20 minutes a day of, of stretching. So one of the best things I can advise someone to do is to get off their couch spend time sitting on a hard floor. Uh, when you sit on a hard floor, you move your bones in a way that the muscles have no choice but to stretch naturally and elongate. And um, it might be, it could be difficult for someone to do initially, but you'll find that after practicing that for, you know, two or three months of just sitting on the floor instead of the couch, even, even if it's only for half an hour, halfway to, you know, looking at something on Netflix or whatever, or browsing your phone, you start to to gravitate more towards the floor than the couch. Like I very, very rarely sit on my couches here at home unless I'm um, snuggling up to Anne or something like that for a cuddle on a Saturday night. But besides yeah. that, I'm sitting on the floor. And when I get up from the floor, I feel I feel great. Hips feel great, lower back feels great, legs feel great. And um, it's it, you push, you're saving yourself time. So if you can inject um, different types of movement into your daily life, you're gonna find that well, number one, you're 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 saving time. Number two, your mobility is going to tr- go to, go through the roof. And number three, you're probably going to pick up less injuries as well. Yeah. So I think it's all about keeping tissue healthy. And I know that you're a big believer in in getting tissues healthy. And yeah, that can be often all those things you mentioned can be better than spending an hour, certainly in a gym, doing strength work on on static machines and you know old style, old school stretching that it's about just, yeah, keeping those tissues moving and healthy. Yeah, um, I, I, as you said, I'm, I'm a big believer in getting tissue healthy first. Um, people think strength work is going to overcome uh, injuries. And the, the way I explain it is that, you know, when someone comes to me with an injury, what I'll see is that the, the tissue that's, that's causing the pain is in trouble. So I would call it dysfunctional tissue because it's riddled with trigger points. Now, if you have tissue which is full of these trigger points and then you start to try and strengthen these muscles, you know, like, you know, strengthen the glutes or strengthen the quads or whatever it is, you find then, and if you do a really, really good job of that, you know, so you follow your, 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 your instructions to, to, the, to the letter, at the end of the process, you're going to have, yes, a very strong muscle, but it's still going to be dysfunctional because it, those trigger points still remain there. So you'll have a strong dysfunctional muscle by the time you finish with it. My approach is... I get the tissue back healthy first. That's what I think uh, athletes should focus on. Look for your trigger points, release them yourself. If you can't do it yourself, go to someone who's familiar with trigger points. Then once the pain goes away, you'll either likely not bother to do your strength work, but I think everyone should do a bit. Um, and then you go off and you, you do all your strength work because you're going to be working from a healthy um, muscle then. So you'll have, by the end of it, you'll have a healthy, strong muscle instead of a healthy dysfun- or a strong dysfunctional muscle. And okay. That's, that's my approach like, is, uh, and I know I think one of the techniques that you use to get tissues healthy again, it's the myofascial trigger point dry needling. And maybe Jason, could you explain to us what that what that involves? It's different than I think acupuncture. It's different than the tens, the electrical nerve stimulation. So if somebody does have a muscle injury, 
they go to you and you're going to start the dry needling process with them. Could you maybe talk us through what is it and how and why it works so well? Okay. Um, yes, yeah, so there's, there's many different types of um, dry needling, which, which has the label dry needling. Um, but you'll find that there's, there's, there's many varieties of it and, and each one can be quite different. So um, traditionally, you would have had uh, Chinese acupuncture, which is all about um, you know, qi, qi energy and meridian lines and uh, getting qi flowing back through muscles. And uh, yes, that can be that can be good. And like it, it wouldn't be around for over two thousand years if, if there wasn't um, uh, good results with it, or, or, or you know, at least some good results with it. So with the with the, the dry needle, I do it's um, I just use one acupuncture needle. So same acupuncture needle. It's a very very thin uh, monofilament needle. Uh, you'd fit about twenty of them within a hypodermic uh, injection needle where you've you've taken blood or you've got an injection. Uh, so very very thin and it just kind of uh, pushes its way through the, the muscle fibers when i'm when i'm doing it here i'm i'm first of all palpating muscle to find out where those trigger point areas are and then i'm trying to hit them with the with the needle itself and it's once you hit a trigger point i don't think you'll ever forget it because you get like a a, a local area we call it a twitch response uh, in the muscle you can feel like a little pulse or a little thump um, yeah. or a twitch and it's usually accompanied by like a, a, zap, a little zap of electricity you can feel like. Um, a lot of people will come into the clinic saying that they've had it done before. And I'd say within about 30 seconds to a minute of doing it, they realize that they've never actually had spine um, <laughs> needling before. It's, it's, it's an experience that you, you don't, you, you, don't um, you don't forget. And uh, it just gets phenomenal results. So it's, it's the gold standard way to get rid of uh, trigger points. You can, okay. yeah, you can, you can get the, rid of them with just using uh, pressure as well and deep massage and that, but it's not uh, as effective as the dry needle. Okay. And if people are, say, fearful of pain, <laughs> fearful of needles, um, <laughs> on a scale of one to 10, Jason, what, what is that pain level? Are we right up there at 10? Are we jumping off your table there? Or, or um, how bad? There's a lot of jumping goes on. I, I have a swear jar here on the, uh, on the desk and uh, it gets filled regularly. <laughs> so, okay, yeah. but it's it's more of a it's more of a shock really uh you're not expecting it and the next one is just kind of like a little a little jump a little a little zap some people it's not for them they just you know even before even the mention of the word needle they're not um, they're, they're not up first um, okay. and other people you know they might uh, we might only be, have to use it very sparingly and we just use that on the on the biggest meanest uh, trigger points Okay. And say, if we do go to you, we get some dry needling, probably because we're a bit injured or we have some damaged tissue. But as you know, Jason, us runners, we hate to miss days. We hate missing days when we're injured and we just hate missing days, even if we have to get treatment. And you might say to us, right, guys, we've done the dry needling. I need you to rest for 48 hours. What is the rest period, Jason, after you do a session like that on the dry needling? Can we go out and run that night? Can we run the next day? What do you recommend in general? Um, it, it varies. Um, generally, we'd say do nothing the next day. Uh, it, there'll be kind of a, kind of a bruisey feeling left. Usually, the pain that they've come with is gone, but it's kind of replaced with kind of a bruisey feeling on the tissue that we treated, and that can last anywhere between three to five days. It really it really does depend. Uh, I find that older clients actually tend to get back a lot quicker. Some people will be running the next evening, um, just over twenty four hours later. Or, or, or within two days but myself when I get it done if I get uh, I've got my calf done um, just before Christmas there and I didn't want to do anything on it for about eight days 
Wow. Okay. I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm from, do you treat reason. yourself, Jason, or, or do you go? <laughs> I do treat myself. If I can reach the area, I'll treat myself. Um, but I can only maybe stomach it for maybe about uh, two minutes or so, and then I have to I have to call it quits, and I'll come back to it a couple of days later. It's uh, okay. It, it's tough doing it yourself. Okay, brilliant. Well, listen, we've gone through some really fascinating things, Jason, and maybe just to finish the conversation off, you know, you've you've had your skin in the game for for a long time now, Jason. You've been working there in your practice as a neuromuscular therapist since 2016, as we mentioned at the top of the interview. Um, some final maybe pointers from you. What do you see are the main reasons reasons why people are coming through your door injured um, is there anything that you'd like, just like to share that we haven't touched on yet over the last 20-25 minutes um, well I see all types of people so I general population people come into me so that's just you know Joseph comes in off the street with a bad back and you know tennis elbow and that uh, I suppose I do specialise in, in sports injury injuries just because of my my, um, my love of, of running and that running um, and um, I guess to, for someone who wants to be successful in running, you have to be consistent in your training. You, you cannot afford to be getting injured uh, in training. Like you cannot afford to take a week off here, a week off there, you know, maybe have six weeks good good running streak and then another week off or two weeks off or, or whatever. You, you're never going to progress as, as you should be able to. So whenever someone comes into me with an injury and, and if you know running is their sport, the first thing I do is I get them up on the treadmill and I have a quick look at, at how they're running. And generally what we'll see is we'll see um, you know, bad technique. And some of the things we're looking out for there is overstriding, landing out on, on a heel, on a straight leg, you know, a lot of ground reaction force uh, being um, put through uh, joints and through muscles, which... They, they shouldn't have to handle that amount of, of, of load. And then um, we start seeing little niggles coming in. You, when you have an injury coming, it will start like a little bit of stiffness. And that's just your body saying, you know, I don't really like what you're doing to me here. And if you keep going, I'm going to have to, you know, give you a, a full-blown injury here. Like your, your brain doesn't realize that you can go down to the Swift Care Clinic to get to get fixed. It, it thinks, you know, Owen is doing catastrophic damage to me here. And if he keeps going here, I'm going to be lying for it. So mm, yeah. that's what the injury is there for, is to stop you, is to stop you um, doing that to yourself. Okay. And, and just a, maybe a little bit left field, Jason, have you seen any negative impact in terms of the amount of injuries people get since the magic shoes have come in over the last, what, three or four years or so? Um, I'm sure a lot of your clients use them, especially, you know, with the Dublin Marathon um, every October back home. Um, have you seen a reduction or an increase to be honest i haven't seen um uh, i haven't seen someone come in to, to you know saying that or that they're using them and, and they're, they're picking up injuries that they never had before but from what i've seen with my own eyes is that i've seen that if you make um if you are uh, if you have a, if your technique is anyway unsound and if you put more cushioning underneath your your feet you're going to make bigger mistakes Okay, and a lot of those newer shoes are quite like, they're really like platform shoes. Remember from yeah. the 60s, they're, they're so tall. And if you are landing uh, in a way, you know, heavily supinating or heavily pronating or whatever it is, you get more twisting and that going on in the lower leg. I, like I ran behind people and I'm, I'm nearly wincing every time we see them land because the, the whole foot rotates in a certain way. And instead of coming up and down, I see like a, like a spring. 
So um, just you've got to be careful. I think when you wear shoes like that, you've got to be quite skillful in, in how you run or you just use maybe for race day. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, so that's, that's, that's sort of what, what I'm seeing just anecdotally. Yeah, because I think the, the return of energy from them is, is so strong, is so immense that you really do need to have control there with your although, stride. Although what I, what, I have, what I have heard, though, is the recovery time is a lot quicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear people yeah. Are, are good to go running, you know, pretty much, you know, um, you know they're, they're, after a race, you know, they're, 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 they don't feel as, 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 uh, as beat up, which is, which is a good thing, I guess. Yeah. Sure there's, there's no going back. The, 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 the horse is bolted, as they say, with the shoes, so... Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see if they make some good ones for the mountains and for the trails, Jason. Um, well, listen, Jason, it's been a pleasure to talk to you today. Thanks a million for that. If anybody wants to book an appointment with you, they can get you on jktherapy.ie. You're based in Belgard Heights there in Tala. Um, Jason, what's it like to, to get an appointment with you now? Are you flat out? Or if somebody has a bit of an ego, a bit of an injury, um, if they get in touch with you, when can they see you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite busy here, kind of um, a victim of my own success in, in some ways. So if you're a new client come in, it does take about two or three weeks to get an appointment, um, okay. which is, I suppose, a good complaint in ways. But, um, you know, just give me a bit of notice and, and I'm sure we can get you in or, or maybe if we have um, a cancellation, maybe we can put you on the list there. OK, brilliant. Wilson, Jason, uh, I've seen your work for many years now. I've spoken to people that I've got, for example, the, the biomechanical assessments done and I've seen the document that you produced for them and it's very comprehensive and there's lots of fantastic photographs of yourself in that document as well, doing all those brilliant poses and brilliant deep squats and so on. And uh, as I said, you have your skin in the game for, for a long time now. So Jason, thanks a million and I look forward to talking to you again. That's great, On Listen, thanks and best of luck with the rest of the podcast. For the rest okay, thank you, Jason. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. 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 There we have it for this week, guys. A big thank you to Rene and Jason over at jktherapy.ie for their great tips this week on listening to the body, knowing when to ease off, and knowing when to push hard in a course in training as well, and therefore getting, as Jason said there, getting the consistency in the training that is needed to have a successful racing season. And that was certainly the standard message for me. Everybody, enjoy your training over the next few days. Train smart, enjoy it, keep a smile on your face as you're running, and everybody, Let's get our running gear on. Let's go.